You're listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on this Thursday game day, game one going tonight. Oh my goodness, you can just feel it. The nerves in the city and also the excitement. It is finally here, the NBA Finals, and a little later on in the program, we are going to go to Camille Caramali, who is in Jurassic Park, was there this morning, and I am going to lift the veil on some of the things that you heard this morning. They were not what you thought. If you heard sounds of people cheering and ranting and jumping up and down for the Raptors early in the morning and thought, my goodness, who does that? I'm going to give you the real story. That is coming up. Also, beer. Beer me. We're going to talk about beer, and we're going to talk about Pokemon. Yeah, and how they don't go together. Uh, I don't know what you're doing on Sunday. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. I'm watching the Raptors game, too, because that's game two, Sunday. But politicians in this province will be at Queen's Park. That's because the House is going to return on Thursday to try and get through some legislation including canceling that master beer framework, that master agreement that, that takes care of who can sell beer in this province. And by legislation, the province is going to say, well, that deal doesn't count anymore. And oh, by the way, that bit in there about all the things we have to pay if we cancel this, that doesn't count either. Plus, they're trying to get Bill 108 through. Excuse me, pardon me. And opposition from municipalities over development fees continues to grow. You see a number of municipalities putting their hands up saying, you've got to change this legislation. You've got to change the wording. So why all the haste? Because on Thursday, the legislature rises for the summer. And there is some speculation that, once again, the Ford government might extend that. But right now... Next Thursday is the cutoff for when the Ford government needs to get through all of this legislation. So are we running to or are we running away from something? The polls look dim in the early going here for Ford. His brand is leaking political oil and he seems to be slipping in his own carbon footprint. Open for business, but closed to legal contracts. We're going to have more on the beer brouhaha as we check the legal position of the province as it moves to quash that so-called sweetheart deal. That is later on in our program. We'll have a legal expert on that. For Ontario's opposition parties and some oppositional columnists, all of this is rich, fertile ground. Manure, if you might say. Martin Redcon has a column in the Toronto Star today that spreads it around pretty evenly. He says that the Premier may be down, but no means out. And he quotes some of these latest polls. Says the trend line, unbearably bleak for Ford. Five public opinion surveys now showing the province turning sharply against him. With PC supporters having profound second thoughts. But there are unmistakable warning signs for those who dream of a different leader. Namely, Andrea Horvath. The NDP's second place finish in 2018, winning a respectable 33.6% of the popular vote, won them official official opposition status. But after a decade of leader, Horvath has yet to truly gain traction. 
And the latest results put her NDP at a mere 24.2% support, barely above Ford. So then we move to the liberals. And they have almost 40% support. And who's in charge? What? Pardon? What? To get more perspective on this, I am pleased to welcome back to the program Martin Redcon, columnist at Queen's Park for the Toronto Star. Hey, Martin. Hello, Alan. So in your column today, I just mentioned that you were spreading it around evenly. <laughs> uh, you point out that Ms. Horvath has not gained traction. What do you mean by that? Well, it's, it, I mean it in two senses. First, she's not getting... She's not making the sale. She's not closing the deal with voters. Look, you just mentioned that she has gone down in the polls. You're not supposed to go down if you're the opposition in between elections, midterms, as our American friends say. That's when the government is hurting. That's when the opposition scores in by-elections and in public opinion polls. The second problem, though, is, is that she's actually... well. Not getting traction, not making the sale, but actually going in reverse, actually sliding backwards. That's the second problem for them. Now, look, Alan, you and I both know that public opinion polls in Ontario are never a sure thing. Far from it. People aren't very focused on Ontario. Uh, Other than our listeners on this radio show, people tend to just tune out Ontario and think about the federal stuff. And they're not focused on campaign messages, as they will be soon, with Scheer and Trudeau and Singh. But... Even so, when you have four to five consecutive public opinion polls in the space of four to five weeks, all showing that Ford is falling quite fast and remarkably early in his term, barely a year, and you don't see the NDP hurtling to the top, the official opposition with so many more seats in the legislature, and instead you see the liberals in this Main Street poll at the top, leaderless liberals, headless, no permanent leader a man I, I want to show you I want to play this for our listeners and ask them if they would recognize this voice Martin <laughs> and the question I have is if the premier's for the people why doesn't he want to give them a fair shot at getting to the game uh, you know who that is I would I would say that people would not recognize that voice even if they saw him and his magnificent head of hair they would not recognize interim leader John Fraser John Fraser, and Canadians have a high standard for hair in politicians, but he does still have a fantastic bouffant. However, the, you, cut, you cut me off just in time because I was going to give it away, so you stopped the spoiler. Look, John Fraser is a fine parliamentarian and doing, a, I think, a, a pretty impressive job as interim leader, but he's interim, and yet, not knowing his name, not knowing who's going to be at the head of the Liberals, they are still in front in this poll, and in fairness to the NDP, in other polls, all three parties are pretty much bunched together. All right, now hold on, I'm going to play one more for people here. I know you'll recognize this voice, but who is this oppositional figure? It took the Liberals about 10 years to act with this level of arrogance. It's taken Doug Ford about a month to act like a dictator. Boom goes the green dynamite. That is Mike Schreiner. The leader of the Green Party, what does the polling say about him? Well, Mike is is up at about 11%, which is more than double of their usual number. They tend to hover between 4 or 
uh, at election time. They will always creep up in between elections where people park their votes, and then they tend to dissipate when people make hard decisions about who has a chance at government. But 11% is very robust. Look, let's not get carried away with the Greens. They've had, they've had a great year in British Columbia, in New Brunswick, and in Prince Edward Island. But in Ontario, their room for growth is limited because all their support is clustered around one impressive leader, Mike Schreiner, in Guelph. So don't look to the Greens to get more MPPs, but they can continue to bleed support away from the Liberals and you Democrats as progressives. So that's a challenge for all three parties. Martin, we're almost out of time, but let's sum this up, because so much hay is being made about this drop in polls and the booing and all of the rest. But the reality is, who is there to pick up the pieces? Who is there to gain advantage from the Tory misfortune? Well, I don't think it's going to be John Tory, your former co-host on Global Focus Ontario. I think as people have used him as something of a proxy, and he has done very well when his name was inserted as a potential liberal leader. Problem is, uh, as I think you told me once, Helen, the liberals only have seven seats right now, and it's pretty hard to go from being mayor of Toronto to leading a party of seven MPPs, given that he used to be the... Uh, progressive conservative Tory leader in opposition with, a, I guess, a couple of dozen or if not more MPPs back then. So, it, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's kind of fun for the Liberals that they have 39.9 percent in this one uh, Main Street poll, but it also tells me that it, that Ontarians are looking for an alternative, and when you give them a no name. Everybody can coalesce around that no name because he's or she is an inoffensive entity. It's 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 a it's no name like a Loblaws. And <laughs> it's like need, a buck of beer. What it's, we need is somebody new. It's inoffensive, but it has no taste whatsoever. Exactly. Thank you so much. That is Martin Raycon uh, with the Toronto Star. Appreciate you always being on, uh, Martin. Thank you. Thanks, Alan. I'ma set it on fire All the non-believers They really admire us King of the jungle Hear me roar like a lion Burning desire inside Cause I'm a fighter I'm on a mission Focus with tunnel vision All the naysayers Non-believers don't listen Patience, perseverance Stay persistent Consistent Only the sky will be the limit I go hard, not home No other option Here to take it all So hungry, I'm starving See the finish line Soon to be ball Hey, listen, listen. Listen up, Drake. Listen up, Raptors fans, because here we go. Game one. And did you hear any of this this morning on your commute in? Did you hear this on the radio at all? Yeah, let's go, Raptors. And you're thinking, man. Those are some dedicated fans, because that was early this morning that that was going on. And you think to yourself, Drake. Hey, listen, listen. Yeah, those are some dedicated fans. And then you realize, well, that's not the entire truth. Because actually those fans were really all there because Good Morning America was there. Here is a little bit of the hoopla. I believe this is T.J. Holmes giving away some tickets on Good Morning America. 
This is where Raptors fans collect before, during, and after the game. They collected here this morning for us because they all have a chance to win two tickets to the NBA Finals game tonight. They're here. Look, that guy took the day off. That guy took the day off. That guy called in sick about 20 minutes ago. You get a car and you get a car. You're like this. What? Is everybody doing Oprah's show now? Well, anyway, we, we welcome everybody to our city. If you are uh, listening for the first time and you are here in our city, we want you to enjoy yourself. If you are a Warriors fan, uh, we made it foggy just for you. Just for you to remind you of the Bay Area. Nice and foggy for you today. We put that in place just just for the Warriors fans. Oh, so good, though, to see Chris Bosh back in town. Class act Chris Bosh. I'm a longtime Raptor fan. Here is Chris Bosh on Good Morning America talking about how special a place Toronto is. I think it's important for everybody to see how special Toronto is. Um, it's always been like this. This was like the beginning of my career, so it's always going to hold a special place in my heart. Chris Bosch talking about Toronto. Camille Caramali has been live at Jurassic Park. Camille, I was talking about the fact that it was a bit of a show this morning, all that hoopla. What's it like right now? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it deceived a, a lot of us because there was so many fans, a couple of hundred at least, that had lined up and they were screaming and yelling and cheering. Uh, a lot of that was for Good Morning America. And so they had gotten uh, quite a number of fans out for their show I would say less than half of them stuck around, and uh, it's a little bit more of a, to be quite honest, a subdued mood. Uh, they're, they're sitting there, and you know, they're, they know they're in for the long haul, so I think this group here is more concentrated on saving their energy and uh, having proper resources. I'm, I'm seeing food and water here and, and taking washroom breaks because... That's, that's important, yes. Tip-off is at 9 p.m. Let's not forget that. They still have a good nine hours until the game starts, so... Man, oh man, I, I don't know how they're doing this. We go live now to Camille Caramali with a bathroom update. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm at the urinal right now. No, no, let's, Stop. let's not go there. Stop. Let's not go there. No, uh, we, but we so need the, to show, show PG, PG-13. Yeah, so it, there are some legit fans there. It wasn't totally all show this morning, but some of it was theater. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, I mean, Good Morning America had been in the Jurassic Park for like uh, since 5 a.m. So they were really rehearsing as much as possible. And so they really wanted to create a show. And rightfully so. I mean, we benefit from it. If the millions of viewers of Good Morning America and all of the United States see how passionate our fans are, well, we only have something to gain out of it, don't we? I just want to bring Rebecca, my producer, in here. Rebecca, can you just join us for a moment, Rebecca? Uh, Because did you, Camille, did you get a chance to meet with any of the... Uh, Good Morning American uh, producers at all? Did you see any of the staff there? Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on his last name. TJ. Yeah, well, that was the staff. TJ Holmes. Yeah, yeah no, but TG here's Holmes, the, that's it. That's him it, shouting yeah. away. No, but was there a pretty big staff there? How many people do you think they had just to <laughs> wrangle that crowd? Because here's what I'm saying, Rebecca. I don't see anybody here cheering for me. Yeah, you know what? When Alan hits the streets, uh, there's just a crowd of people following him. He needs handlers. He needs handlers. We'll get right on that. I'm Thank sorry. Thank you <laughs> very much, Rebecca. Camille Caramali is live at uh, Jurassic Park uh, in line for the urinal. Thank you, Camille. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Camille and I actually are going to be traveling to Oakland together next week. 
uh, part of the Global News coverage. And uh, also excited to tell you about coverage tonight. We will be going live from just up the street from uh, Jurassic Park. Just a great look down the street, give a great vantage point of what's happening. Uh, that's at 5.30 tonight. And then I must talk about the postgame. So I'll be uh, at the game in the press box, and I know, I know, I know, you're green with envy. I can't believe it either, but, I, but somehow I got a press credential. <laughs> Thank you, Kawhi. Uh, but here's the rules. You're not allowed to cheer in the press section whatsoever. And here's the other thing. At uh, Scotia, the press gondola, you cannot possibly be further away from the action. Now, I know you're saying, shut up, dude, whatever. But nevertheless, you cannot be further away from the action. And if you cheer, they frown at you. Oh, they scold you. It's re- So at 11, just sorry, not at 11 o'clock, but as soon as the game is over, which probably going to be about midnight, uh, flip on to globalnews.ca, would you? Because on our YouTube channel, we're going to be going live. Just is sec- the second the, show, the game is over, we're going to go live. We're going to show you exactly what's happening outside. Plus, we're going to dip into post game a little bit. But we're going to show you what's happening in uh, Jurassic Park and up and down the street. I want to quickly play you this. This is Steph Curry. This was awesome yesterday at Media Day. Steph Curry talking about Toronto. My dad haven't played here for three years. This is where he retired. Uh, back in '02, I lived here for a couple of years, went to school out here. So uh, my wife grew up in Markham, right down the street. So a lot of family history and, and a lot of, you know, that side of the family still lives here. So I look forward to coming back here every regular season and now to be in the finals. Uh, something I've honestly been looking forward to if they ever, you know, you know made it. So it's here and I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, Steph, you're not going to enjoy it that much, okay? Let me just say that. Beginning at 9 p.m. tonight, your enjoyment of the city is going to cease. I mean, we we love the fact that you love the city. And, of course, he's talking about his wife uh, is from here. He talked about this uh, in Oakland, in Emediavale, about how her Canadian accent comes back strong every time they come north of the border. Like, out of nowhere, it's like, hey, you know, a boot. And I mean, nobody, we don't actually talk like that. But I guess to him, that's what it sounds like. I want to talk quickly about Drake, if we could. Drake, the Canadian press is learning that the league has now made a call to the Raptors to discuss the Toronto Raptors' behavior on the sidelines. Of course, he's made headlines throughout the playoffs. There have been complaints uh, from the uh, other coaches. And now Steve Kerr has said he doesn't have any problem with it. But here just uh, earlier on the Kelly Cotrera show, uh, JYD, the junkyard dog, Jerome Williams, was on the program talking about the fact that uh, that might not be such a good idea to be chirping, especially at guys like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. You look at Jack Nicholson, Spike Lee, some of those super fan type celebrity esque Jay Z, you know Beyonce. They go to a lot of games. They're they get excited but very toned down. You do not want to agitate the other team because then that hurts the Raptors. Do not motivate the other team. That is Jerome Williams talking on this radio station earlier today. And I'm reminded of Spike Lee chirping at Reggie Miller. And if you remember that time, all of a sudden, the Knicks went down in flames because Reggie just lit it up. So there is something to be said for that. Drake? Hey, listen, listen. Maybe just a little bit toned down. Not too much, 
shoulder rubs all around. Shoulder rubs for all. Hot off the email presses. And I will again reiterate my email. Address is alan.carter at globalnews.ca. Alan spelled the correct way. A-L-A-N. I don't get these Allens with two L's. It's a total waste of a letter. A-L-A-N. Alan! Alan! Thank you. Alan.carter. At globalnews.ca. Nick writes, please, please call in sick. You're like listening to paint dry. So, <laughs> thank you, Nick. I always <laughs> thank you, Kawhi. <laughs> so, uh, our next topic is beer related. That it, wants me that beer. Oh, I am <laughs> getting kind of thirsty up in here. And you may have heard that the provincial government has introduced legislation that essentially cancels a 10-year agreement, something called the Master Framework Agreement. That deal was signed by Kathleen Wynne's government in 2015. And what it did is it opened up beer sales to grocery stores, which is why you can now get beer and wine in grocery stores. And all of this was led by Ed Clark, a former banker, TD banker, head of the TD Bank. And he looked at the problem and he reported back that maintaining a monopoly distribution system, which is what the beer store is, was preferable to breaking it up altogether. Because distribution costs, if they rise, then, of course, products rise in price. And if products rise in price and people get upset, then perhaps you might have to lower taxes and there might be an impact on the treasury. Keep in mind, when we buy beer and booze and you have a, you know, you have a lovely tequila at the end of the day, uh, you're helping buy an MRI for this province. By the way, you can thank me personally for about a hospital, I think, at this point. Just leave that there. But breaching this accord that Kathleen Wynne and the Liberals signed appears to have significant implications. Because within the Master Framework Agreement, it clearly says that a critical breach, in other words, by saying, well, we're going to sell beer and wine somewhere else, that that will constitute a breach, and therefore an arbitrator must come in and award damages. And the agreement says right in it that the beer store had to spend $100 million to upgrade itself, to, you know, to get out of that Stalinist-era you know, beer store frontage. It's still, my goodness, they still are not great. I don't like buying beer there. And I don't like buying beer there because the truth of the matter is it's owned by foreign multinationals. And, you know, the, the the Premier's gone on this PR offensive on this, basically going out there saying, reminding us all the time that, well, hey, you know, did you happen to know? And, 
you know, I still think that you can't say that enough. I still think a lot of people think it's owned by the government. It's not. It's owned by foreign multinationals. But there's a reason that we signed this deal. And even if you believe that it is, quote-unquote, a sweetheart deal, there are ramifications for bringing in legislation to just say this deal that you signed with this government is no longer valid because we made a political promise that you should be able to get a Coors Light at a Max Milk. And so I ask you what I've asked before. What are you willing to pay? What would you be willing to pay as a taxpayer to be able to get a Coors Light at the corner store? I would say I would pay nothing. Zero. And I am the guy that is advocating for an expansion of beer and wine and liquor sales in this province. I dream of the day that I can get a Mickey of Scotch at a drive through at 2 a.m. on Christmas. That is what I... That, that, is, that is a free market. That is what we should have. Obviously, I jest. Because we need the MRI, so make sure that it's nice and expensive. Uh, I want to quickly talk to uh, Huawei. Huawei. Huawei Technologies poses too big of a threat to Canada and should be banned from its 5G network, according to the vice chairman of Rogers Communications. This is breaking news just coming out in the last hour or so. Now, while Huawei is cheaper and sophisticated compared to other alternatives, its close relationship to the Chinese government is troubling, Phil Lind said. That is Phil Lind, who is the vice chairman of Rogers Communications, and that has enormous implications, ladies and gentlemen. 5G and its rollout is critical. It is critical that we maintain our motion forward in terms of being a high-tech city or high-tech country. And there is a possibility we could log behind if we cannot get 5G going. And Huawei, it produces so much of the technology that 5G will be based on. So to have Rogers say, oh, well, we can't have Huawei in our networks, that is going to cost a lot of money and could possibly delay the implementation of 5G. You probably know what 5G is. But I'll just remind you again. It's not the same thing as when we went from 3G to 4G. It's a totally different technology. So instead of the cell towers that we have now, we would have many, many more micro towers. It's a way to describe it. Small little towers, about the size of a bread box. They could be hidden in a newspaper stand. And there'd be many, many more of them. And the, the reason that it's so important is that since there's more of them, there's less lag time. Because what happens right now is as you're doing something on your phone, whatever, it goes all the way up to, to a cell phone, to, to a satellite, to, you know, it goes a lot of different places. And there's a lag time associated with that. So if, for things like automated cars and self-driving cars and all the rest of the automation that we believe is coming in the future, we need to upgrade to 5G. And interesting to note that at Queen's Park today, in 20 minutes' time, 
somebody called the C4 Canadians or Canadians for Safe Technology. That's C4, the number four ST, Canadians for Safe Technology. They're holding a press conference at Queen's Park today to recommend that the Ontario government take steps to protect public health before the rollout of 5G, essentially saying that there are already indications that there may be Ontarians who are sensitive to the microwave radiation in wireless devices. So this story is not over. Yeah, countdown is on, ladies and gentlemen. 9 p.m. tip-off, and it is going to be epic game one. We are hungrier, and there is no pressure on us. And I think that that is going to be the difference. And I tell you what, we're going to take game one, and it's going to just completely upend the narrative. And the city is going to go nuts, and all of a sudden the NBA is going to go, oh, wait a minute, wait a sec. That thing that we absolutely thought was going to happen, we'd already decided to hand out the championship, that is maybe not going to happen after all. Right, Drake? Hey, listen, listen. You got that right. Adam Wallace is with Global News Online in his here to tell me about something called Pokemon Sleep or Pokemon Go Go Plus. Adam, welcome, and what in the world is that? Okay, Alan, so... Have you ever heard of Pokemon Go before? Yes. Yeah, so, my son just decided that he wanted it on his phone. We said yes. I thought this thing was done. I thought it was over. So Pokemon Go, that's the app that gets you going out active, right? Walking. I want you to catch Pokemon on the go. Pokemon Sleep, on the other hand, totally opposite thing. It wants you to sleep. Essentially, this app is going to help you sleep, uh, determine your sleeping schedule, and somehow train your Pokemon. What, how, this thing, because I would love something to help me sleep, you know, uh, but I don't think it's going to, I've seen these Pokemon cartoons, I guarantee you, that is not sleep-inducing. <laughs> um, can we play a little Pokemon? Just get get that, Robin, just give you a sense of people what we're talking about. Oh no, they're eating all the jelly donuts and eclairs. They're drinking all the lemonade. This is cruel and unusual. Oh my God, I want to tear out my eyes and my ears. The thing is, and they say that they're going to do something about playing soothing sounds, but when you think of Pokemon, you have these screaming animals, these blazing tunes. I really don't know how it's going to help, but that's what they're claiming. So we, we don't know much about this. And then what is Go Plus Plus? So with Pokemon Go, they released the Pokemon Go Plus, which is this little device that looks like a, a Pokeball. Uh, if you know yeah, what a Pokeball is, right? I'm with you. And, and what that does is while you're walking, instead of being on your phone, uh, you just hold the device and you can look into traffic. You don't have to be hit by a car or anything like that. Um, and it, it does it does the game for you. Now, the Pokemon Go Plus Plus connects to your phone. That's mm-hmm. the new device. And it monitors your sleep. So it comes up with these predetermined schedules for how you should sleep, uh, based on one week of your sleeping schedule. And, and so what do we know? Um, they're just trying to obviously hype up the release on this. What do we know about release date, cost, anything like that? So it's going to be a free app. Uh, the Pokemon Go Plus Plus has no uh, price cost yet, but I do remember the original ones were about 50 60 bucks Canadian. Um, release date, sometime in the next year. But uh, they're, they're trying really hard to hype this up, and people on the internet are not taken to it. 
Really, what's the reaction on social media been? People are just scratching their heads in confusion. They have no idea why why we need a Pokemon Sleep. Because there's plenty of apps out there that already do that kind of stuff. There um, are? Yeah. Sleep sleep monitoring apps. Yeah? Okay. That's that's pretty much what they're making it sound to be. But they're, they're trying to advertise it as an entertaining way. An entertaining to way sleep. to sleep. Sure. Because yeah. I need... <laughs> I mean, we spend most of our life sleeping. Why not? <laughs> Why not be entertained? Why not chase an imaginary Japanese critter at the same time? Uh, this is, again, you got these in-app purchases, and this is where they really make the money on this thing. That's right. That's right. Um, with Pokemon Sleep, I really don't know how they're going to do that, because the other game, they have you buying Pokeballs and stuff, but you, you're just going to be sleeping, so... It's going to wake you up every hour, and then you have to like buy yeah. your way back to sleep or something stupid <laughs> Pay like 50 that. cents to press snooze or something. Uh, do you think this thing's going to be a success? Often when we have these releases and they're just absolutely poo-pooed you know, in advance by the Illuminati on the great tube of the Internet, it, it turns out that people do want this. I think everyone's going to get this. I'm not going to lie. Because the hype is so big right now, it, it could be awful. But everyone wants to see what's going on, what it's all about. And people are still playing Pokemon Go, and I'm almost sure that they're going to go hand in hand. Adam Wallace is with Global News Online and has been telling us about Pokemon Sleep and Pokemon Go++. Plus Plus. You talked about hype. I'm hoping you can stay and be my hype man, because it's time for a little ripping and reading. And what we do here is I take some news stories that I have not seen, it's just been printed off for me, and I'm going to read them ice cold. And for that, I need Drake. Could, yes. Hey, listen, listen. Hi, Thank you. All right, hype me up here, Adam. Here we go. Man says an intruder broke into his house, cleaned it, and left. What? <laughs> a Boston Boston area man came home from work with his son to find something amiss. He thought that maybe they had been robbed, but upon further inspection, he discovered that nothing was missing. His home was sparkling clean. Yes! Next. Man allegedly gives false name during arrest despite wearing name tag. What's in a name tag? Well, for one Nebraska man, it means criminal charges. Lincoln police arrested 26-year-old Markle Towner on Tuesday for allegedly resisting arrest and providing a false name to officers. Police responding to the report, they noted that Towner was wearing his name on his shirt. Champion. Easter Island statues threatened by nose-pick selfie-snapping tourists. Legions of tourists are unable to resist snapping nose-pick selfies with the gigantic statues on Rapa Nui, or Easter Island. Now, an archaeologist has warned that tourists are disrespecting the statues by climbing on them, sitting on graves, and trampling preserved spaces. You know the heads of the Easter Island figures, but often overlooked is the fact that they also have bodies. So don't just stick your face in their nose. Top lad. Teen looking for Arrowhead finds prehistoric mastodon jaw instead. A teen searching for an arrowhead in southern Iowa found something much bigger. The prehistoric jawbone of a mastodon. The Iowa City Press Citizen reports that the 30-inch bone belonged to a juvenile mastodon, an elephant-like animal believed to have roamed Iowa some 34,000 years ago. 
Officials with the University of Iowa Paleontology Respetao Boom. Dinosaurs, am I right? <laughs> Last one. Ripping and reading. Man stole daughter's Girl Scout cookie money for erotic massage. It's a story without a happy ending. An Oregon man has admitted stealing his daughter's Girl Scout cookie money to pay for an erotic massage. Brian Couture pleading guilty on Monday. He'll have to repay what he stole. Just buy the cookies, man. <laughs> Adam Wallace, ripping and reading. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Go Raptors. We'll see you tonight. Remember, join us, globalnews.ca, for our special YouTube coverage post-game. It starts immediately following the game. And our pre-game coverage, 5.30, live on Global, simulcast, 6 p.m. on this station. See you tomorrow.